Welcome to episode number one of I'd Rather Be at the Beach, brought to you by the Bonjour Agency. This is the podcast for school marketing managers that's nothing to do with school marketing. Because, let's face it, you work hard enough already, so this is just for fun. In each episode, I speak to someone in the sector who won't talk about work, but we get to find out more about them as a person. And in this episode, you'll find me talking to Sophie Walker. Now, many of you will know Sophie. She's currently the Director of Marketing and Communications at Royal Hospital School, but of course, we don't talk about her marketing team because that would be classed as work. Instead, we talk about what Sophie did in her early career, what some of her high points were, one of her low points too, I'm not going to give anything away on that, and also what some of her guilty pleasures are. But that's all coming up in this episode, so whether you're driving to school, walking the dog, or hitting the treadmill in your local gym, buckle up for some fun as we find out about the person who is Sophie Walker, and let's do that right now. Sophie, thank you for being here and welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you today? Thank you, Simon. No, feeling great. I've just been for my lunchtime walk with a dog along the beautiful Suffolk coastline here. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just had a break from the marketing strategy. So um, yeah, no, really good to be speaking to you today. Awesome that you're walking the dog. Good to get a bit of fresh air. What kind of dog do you have? Oh, I've got the cutest little cockapoo um, who is just adorable, um, but she does like to get wet. Um, so um, whilst it's lovely to be walking along the beach, I do have to prepare myself for a bit of a clean-up job at the end. <laughs> oh. And what's her name? I must ask. <laughs> she's called Willow. Yeah. Willow. Great name. Fantastic. Yeah, she's absolutely adorable. Yeah. Well, and walking the dog has got to be better than any kind of marketing strategy as well, I guess. Yes, no, it, it is good. And it always gives you some good think time as well. So um, either I'm listening to podcasts or I'm yeah, thinking about work or, or kids or whatever. So yeah, walking is, is I find, a very good exercise uh, uh, of the mind and the body. Okay, so we're going to be talking about a few things in this podcast episode, none of which are anything at all to do with work, which is always good fun. But what I'd love to know, Sophie, is a little bit about the Sophie Walker before you stepped into the world of school marketing. I mean, after you left school or university, what did you start off doing in your career? Well, I I did the classic sort of milk round um, job. I, I was studying international business with French at, at Sheffield and um, had spent a year in France and had come back and thought, you know, what next? So um, I did the... the the trodden path that many go through of the John Lewis, the British Airways, um, etc. And I really wanted to be a buyer. Okay. Um, so I did really well and thought I'd made it by getting onto the Harrods graduate training scheme. And um, I'm a big skier or used to be a big skier and I really wanted to be a ski buyer. So um, I thought I'd made it <laughs> and uh, got onto the Harrods graduate training scheme, started on my first month with them and they put you on the um, Harrods sale, summer sales. Um, but this must have been my sort of career low light. I know it only just started, but they put me on the luxury ladies lose for about three weeks <laughs> and it nearly finished me off. Um, I had to show people how to put a pound in the slot to go and use the perfumes and everything in the luxury ladies lose. And then they send you off for a month and they um, say, come back in September and start your training. And in that month, I was absolutely skint having been a student for four years. So I went and worked in the city absolutely loved it uh, I was at JP Morgan as a temp in the futures and options area and um, didn't look back and never went back wow they didn't have marketing departments in those days so I was probably a pioneer at the time really they asked me to write the first corporate brochure for their private banking arm which mm-hmm. I did um, and then I did a night school um, at the London Guildhall with my postgrad in marketing and it kind of went from there really mm. um, until I had children sort of 10 years later 
So yeah, I'm sort of one of those, I think I'm quite unusual in fact, in the fact that I've only, until this job, I'd only worked for two employers. I was with JP Morgan for 10 years and then Felstead for 17 years. Um, And you might ask, how did I fall into schools marketing? Well, I was um, on maternity leave with my second child and um, I was at the gym, popped the children into the creche to keep me sane. And I just bumped into a girl who'd just become the first HR manager at Felstead. Mm. And I was looking for a bit of a change, a bit of a better lifestyle, not having to commute into London. And I said, oh, you know, do they have a marketing department or do they teach marketing? Because I'd started doing some script marking for the Charter Institute of Marketing. And she would, oh, no, no, we're very traditional. Anyway, I got chatting with a girl over the subsequent weeks. And then, you know, literally a few months later, she said, do you know what? We're looking for our first marketing manager. Would you be interested? Hmm. And it went for there, went for the interviews. They said, how many days do you want to do? And I said, oh, a couple of days a week would be lovely. And um, yeah, they took me on. And the rest is history. Fantastic. It's not unusual, is it? I mean, without stepping into the world of talking about work, but it's not unusual for school marketing um teams to begin in a part-time capacity and then for that to transition into a full-time capacity usually fairly quickly as well when people realize what the potential is of school marketing yeah I mean I literally you know 17 years ago it was me you know a four-page website and a, and a filing cabinet of inquiries and you know it's incredible to think what we have on our plates now with you know much bigger fuller teams and numerous channels to to manage but yes we mustn't get into the work work side of things but, um... <laughs> now of course Felstead is not a small school but without talking about Felstead the difference between Felstead and a company like JP Morgan which is clearly a, a global brand I mean how did you find that going from a big company into what would I say a smaller school well as in a smaller environment smaller working environment it did take quite a bit of adjustment, I have to say. You know, the professional world of, of corporate banking is, you know, is fast pace. Um, you know, massive budgets. At one point, I was I was working um, on, on managing events for private banking, and I just remember the budget for that was something like a hundred thousand pounds, which you know, seventeen years ago was a huge amount of money. I mean, it still mm. is. And I was managing my small wedding budget at the time for sort of four k, and mm. you know, the cost of just the transport to get them from the airport to the event was more than my whole budget of my wedding you know just to put it in perspective and then you know joining a school you know where at that point you know I was considered support staff and I wasn't allowed to sit on the same table as the teachers Mm. at lunch you know and for me that was just I just couldn't believe it you know and then trying to maneuver a school at that time was like trying to move a you know cruise ship compared to you know the nimbleness of the city at the time so it did take quite a bit of adjustment. But then equally, I was so surprised that there were associations like AMCIS existed 17 years ago, whereas there wasn't anything like that for a marketeer in the city. So, mm. you know, there were contrasts, that's for sure. Now, you mentioned about your career lowlight uh, with the Harrods Luxury Ladies Lou, um, which, which I think is brilliant. Uh, tell me about a highlight just to give a, a flip side of that. Oh, I've had so many lovely highlights throughout the years, Simon. Um, I think... You know, I think going back to my younger years, I th- you know, I thought I'd made it when I was at JP Morgan when they flew me first class with Virgin to New York and they had a, a limo pick me up, um, you know, age 28. I think I thought I'd made it. But um, so that, that was a particular highlight, just the sort of the travel and the perks that came with with been you know a, a vice president in an American corporate bank um, but then you know back to my time at um, you know in in school marketing you know I've had the opportunity to fly around the world with Felster which I never thought I would have you know I've been to Bermuda the Cayman Islands Dubai Hong Kong Singapore Gibraltar you know and you know the buzz of meeting families and connecting 
prospects with current parents to alumni you know I get a real buzz out of that and mm. um, you know giving um, you know our young pupils opportunities to work in in various places is just a complete highlight but then equally you know we won the Tez award last year for the best marketing campaign that was a real highlight we've welcomed the queen and prince philip to the school you know I had to called Buckingham Palace and find out about all the protocols that was pretty exciting Mm -hmm. to introducing a new TikTok strategy last year and being one of the first schools to do that and a podcast series with you so you know they're they're things that I never thought I would do in school marketing but it is an amazing industry to work in and we're always you know moving forward which is is really exciting now a couple of things you've mentioned so far have been along the lines of travel you mentioned about the travel with felstead you mentioned about this uh first class trip to new york which which does sound fantastic especially on virgin great airline to fly with uh and and i think you said you spent a year in france when you're at university as well so travel is clearly an important part of your life why so yeah i think um i think it all came down with my interest in different cultures right from a young age um you know, I studied international business as a degree. And so part, you know, a lot of that course was studying different cultures and how to do business um, with different countries. So I think it sort of stemmed from there. And then I loved living abroad. I was at Bordeaux University for six months and then worked in Grenoble for a year. Um, and then when I was very lucky, when I was at JP Morgan, I traveled with them. I was in the Paris office for, for quite a while. I was doing direct marketing across the whole of Europe. So we had to translate into various different languages. And I think, you know, then coming back to the school and, and the international recruitment, you, you just start to learn to have a real appreciation of how different cultures see, see the world and see um, the benefits of the education that we're so lucky um, to have here in, in the UK. So mm. um, I'm not sure if I've really answered your question there, but it's not like I've come from a, a multi-European you know, European background or anything like that. I'm, I'm very British in my upbringing. I um, was brought up in the countryside and went to a, you know, um, a lovely independent school. So it's not like I'm bilingual or anything like that. Um, I had to really work hard with my French and I I still have to work very hard at it. So you don't speak French so much anymore then, is that right? No, but I would love to. In fact, my daughter, um, I have two children. So I have a daughter who is doing exactly the same course as me, which is, is, I haven't influenced her in any way, but obviously I have. But she's um, currently just in doing her gap year in, um, well, gap year part of her course, her third year placement year in Rennes at Rennes University in mm. France. So, you know, I'm desperate to get out there and, and sort of um, visit and bring that French out once again. And which other European countries have you been to that, you, that you've really enjoyed being in? Oh, um, golly, I mean, I've loved them all. I travelled and did an event in Budapest, which was really interesting. Um, I'd love to spend a bit more time in Italy. That's probably one of the countries I haven't um, spent so much time in. But um, I love Greece. I've done a few flotilla holidays there on a boat. Mm-hmm. Um, sailing's one of my passions as well. Um, but anywhere and everywhere, really. I don't have a favourite place, but I do love France. And your trips to Europe, have they mainly been holiday or have they been for work and events and stuff like that? A little bit of both, actually. I've, I have done quite a few events there over the years with work, so it's been really, really lucky to do that. But funny enough, I used to all my holidays used to be in Europe. So growing up... Um, I was really lucky. My dad was a big skier, so he took us to the French Alps a lot. Um, Mm. But now I uh, 
remarried about four years ago to a long-haul pilot. So our trips these days tend to be long-haul, which is, again, I, I always thought, you know, planning a holiday years ago, oh gosh, you know, you need like a two weeks at least to go on, on an eight-hour flight just to make mm. it worthwhile. Mm. But now I, go to, I don't hesitate to go to San Francisco for a weekend. I mean, it's completely bonkers. Oh, wow, really? <laughs> yeah, it's just, um, yeah, it's all a mindset thing. And actually, you know, when you've got that sort of opportunity, you've just got to grab it because, you know, seeing different parts of the world is just um, is just wonderful. Okay, so I need to find out a bit more about this because two years ago I went to San Francisco and I had quite low expectations before I arrived there. And I remember landing at the airport and we took the train to the centre of the city and and, and the train, I don't know whether you know this at all, but the the train starts off above ground and then ends up underground and as you get closer and closer to the city city centre. And then you step off the train and you come up an escalator, which takes you straight up onto the street. And I remember going up that escalator and the closer I got to street level, the more I found myself beaming this huge smile because I just instantly loved San Francisco. And there was just something about the city. I don't know what it was, but it was just something about it that just brought me to life. And I, I, I remember saying to our elder daughter, I said, if if for any reason your father needs to disappear for some like movie plot or something like that. And and there's no way that I can communicate with you and you need to find me. Come and look for me in San Francisco because I will absolutely be here. But you say that you go you can go there for a weekend with your husband. Well yes, because he's a long haul pilot. He um I can go and join him on trips from time to time. So um, he will go there and, and have a one or two night stay before he flies back. So mm. I can literally tag along. Um, you're called a Klingon in their world. That, so it nice. is a bit of a derogatory <laughs> term, but, but I am a Klingon, basically. Mm. <laughs> I am a person, but I'm also a Klingon. And mm. um, so, yeah, I literally go in their minibus from the airport to the hotel. I can stay in his hotel room and I live the life of a, of a long haul pilot for literally 48 hours. And um, but he he's been doing it for years. So he has all his favorite haunts they all have discounts in various places they all club together to you know hire a boat for the day they they really know how to live their lives because they're away from home a lot and they either sit and get very sad and lonely in a hotel room or they they literally make friends whoever the crew is and they they fly with a different crew every time so they literally make friends and mm-hmm. say right you know what, what does everyone fancy doing let's go and eat together let's go and um uh, hire a car and go to you know the rockies or whatever whatever place you're in a lot of people haven't been there before and they're there are places that people want to go to again so it's mm. it's it's like you you adopt this new family for 48 hours it's a bit like you know in schools marketing when you go on a trip overseas you'll become best buddies for 48 hours and then mm. you sort of don't see each other for a whole year mm. so um mm. it, it is an amazing world to have a little bit of a feel of and i have to say i think if i uh, was going to uh, to think my career again i'm pilot being a pilot would be up there i think and I guess you're not there for long enough for sort of jet lag to be a consideration, as in, you know, you can sort of stick to your your UK hours almost, but just sort of shift everything by eight hours. And so it's not like you've got to rapidly get used to jet lag. Is that is that how it works? Yeah, I mean, he um, he very much gets into the time zone of the country straight away, which kind of oh, went okay. against what I thought. You know, when you hear about mm. people planning for the Olympics and things like that, they they sort of adjust themselves really slowly. But if he did that, he'd be coming back before he'd adjusted. So they get into the time zone straight away. So if they've had a long flight and it, they arrive at four o'clock in the afternoon, they will then stay up till at least nine o'clock, even though they're shattered. Mm. Because otherwise mm. they're awake when it's nighttime and then the sleep when it's the cities are living so um Mm. but then he does get very tired they often sleep before a flight and then you know sleep very much when they get home for a couple Mm. of days 
Sophie, you've mentioned skiing a couple of times. Clearly, this is a big part in your life. Uh, do you still get to ski now, ignoring pandemic? Oh, I know. It's been such a barren few years from the slopes. Um, yeah, and I was just I was just a really, really lucky, fortunate child that I was able to develop some real passions. My dad was a big sailor, big skier, big tennis player, and those have all sort of become my passions now, really. Um, so... I was, yeah, learned from the age of six. Uh, my dad took us probably even once, twice a year. Um, I ended up skiing with the Ski Club of Great Britain as a teen. And then when I joined university, I joined Sheffield because they had a ski slope. Oh. Um, yeah, I joined the ski team. And um, yeah, my claim to fame is being the British Uni Ladies Slalom Ski Champion. So oh, when I was out. at university, no but <laughs> I haven't done much racing since, but um, it is a bit of a passion. And um, my one thing I would love to do, I had a quite a big birthday last year and I really want to do heli skiing before I get too old and scared um, because I just would love to find myself in the middle of nowhere on the top of a slope with virgin powder. Um, and yeah, that's that's my uh, sort of goal for the next few years to try and get myself um, heli skiing somehow. So I'm going to set you a, a mission then, which is to get that booked as fast as possible, because that's one of those things, isn't it, where we can think to ourselves that, you know, we want to do that before we get too old, but then we keep putting it off, putting it off. And then all of a sudden we just find that maybe we're not feeling as confident as we used to. I know. I, do you know what it is? I want to do it with some other people. Mm. And my husband is, he's just not quite up to it. He's a bit of a scaredy cat. So um, <laughs> I'm working on his brother at the moment and one of my brothers, um, but it's just trying to coordinate it all but I think I've just as you say I've just got to book it and say anyone wants to come come and join me okay well if anyone is listening to this right now and wants to go heli skiing with Sophie Walker then get in touch with her <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this but Ralph Dalton who's the head at Snaresbrook Prep School he enjoys heli skiing I'm not suggesting that you should go skiing with with another guy but um, uh, someone like Ralph uh, but there are people out there who do enjoy heli skiing so may- maybe form a small group yeah please do get in touch because that yeah that could be a nice little school's marketing sort of extracurricular holiday coming up. Mm, mm. Have you ever had any near-death experiences when skiing or have you always been a fairly safe and cautious kind of skier? I've had one or two. I have to say I've been in the blood wagon a couple of times but yeah I had a quite a major one when um, as a teen my parents had sent my brother and I off to ski with a ski club of Great Britain because I think they just had enough of us trying to sort of bomb off all the time. So uh, yeah I had a sort of um, a moment where they, uh, we were off piste and I think my ski hit a rock and it, I went tumbling down and my ski hit my head and um, yeah, a bit of concussion and a helicopter down to the, uh, oh. to the base. Yeah, it was a bit scary for all involved really, but um, I live to tell the tale. Mm. And uh, yeah, I've had a few near-death moments since, but not not all on the ski slope. I guess that's back in the days when people didn't generally wear helmets when they were skiing as well. No, you're absolutely right. I was I was really really lucky because you do hear um, quite a bit of that these days where people aren't wearing their helmets. So mm. yes, mm. that's one good reason, folks, um, to wear your helmets when skiing. Mm. Absolutely right. Uh, Sophie, tell me one of your guilty pleasures, something you enjoy doing that you probably shouldn't enjoy doing. Keep it clean, though. (laughs) Well, apart from walking the dog on the beach up here, which I have to say is a pure pleasure. Guilty pleasures. Oh, I'm probably too embarrassed to even say them. Um, I do get lost in TikTok a lot, much to my husband's annoyance. Um, (laughs) But yeah, when he's away on trips and I'm a girl on my own, I probably will settle down, have a really nice bath and have a good read of a book in the bath and then watch Married at First Sight. I'm sorry, guys, but um, yeah, that's my guilty pleasure. I think it's because 
because I've been on the dating <laughs> scene with, within the last 10 years. And I just sort of, I, yeah, I just can't get how people do it. And it just fascinates me, the whole psychology of it all. Mm. Um, yeah, along with a big bar of chocolate or something like that, Simon. So, yeah, that's, that's probably my guilty pleasure. Oh, if you're talking chocolate, then that's very close to my heart. What, what's your favourite bar of chocolate? <laughs> do you know what? Almost the cheaper, the better. I quite like a bar of Galaxy. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, someone gives me really posh chocolates with alcohol in it. It just doesn't do it for me. But, you know, mm. good old bar of Galaxy. Yeah, or white chocolate, something like that. White chocolate? You don't have to Ooh. spend a lot of money on me. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, some people listening to this might know that at the Amkiss conference, I tend to do a chocolate theme from time to time, which means often finding out what people's favourite bar of chocolate is. Now, I keep all of this information because it's useful data. Uh, the favourite bar of chocolate amongst school marketing managers is dairy milk. No big surprise there. Things like Lindt and uh, what's the other organic one? Green and Blacks. They tend to be quite high up as well. But you know what the second most popular one is? Go on. Double Decker. No, really? A Double Decker amongst school marketing managers is the second. I think I was quite cheeky when you did that that the first time round, I think I put hotel chocolate or something and probably burst your budget. <laughs> I don't know. The fun thing about that little campaign, just a little side story, is that whatever people put down is what they got. So some people put down things like, I can't decide between green and blacks, lint and galaxy, in which case they got all three. And that was just the way that it worked. I'm going to remember that. There was one person who said, I forget who it was. Somebody said, oh, I probably shouldn't be saying this here. Somebody said that they that they love a particular bar of chocolate, they could only get it in New York. So we had it shipped in from New York because that's the one that they asked for. That's impressive. Um, Sophie, we need to bring this to an end in a minute, but if anyone's heard anything and they wanted to get in touch with you, do you mind if, um, if, if they did that? And if so, how would they go about doing that? Not at all. No, just, um, well, I'm now at, at Royal Hospital School in Suffolk. So yeah, get in touch with me. Um, my email address is swalker at royalhospitalschool.org or reach out to me on LinkedIn. That's probably another good way as well. Awesome. That's Sophie Walker. That's S-O-P-H-Y for anyone listening. Uh, Sophie, thank you for your time. It's been really, really good fun talking to you. And, and I really appreciate you giving up the time to talk about your own private life, really, to a bunch of people who, who are quite nosy and listening in. It's great fun. But thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you. And I look forward to hearing about everyone else as well. So that was Sophie Walker. Who knew that you could be in charge of the lose one minute and then flying first class to New York the next minute? Sophie, so good to talk to you on this episode, especially it being episode number one and for giving up your time during the Christmas holidays to record it. Now, the next episode is coming out soon and this is a new podcast channel. So click that option to follow or subscribe and it just means that you won't miss out on the next one. To find out more about podcasting in your school for your own marketing purposes, then come visit our website, www.thebonjouragency.com, and you can find out more there. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye for now. Bye.